What'd you say? Oh, I said my feet are gross, and I'm sorry. Oh, that's on tape. That's fine. Huh, speaking of tape. Ooh, good transition. Thank you. Well, there's nothing really to transition from because we only just started. So. That's true. So. Am I one? I guess I am. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Not too much. How are we? How are we looking on the levels over there? Pretty okay. It's our uh, second week in a row recording without a guest. And our second week in a row about our old pal, Ricky Links. Ricky Links. Yeah. Um, Hey, guys. I'm Harper. I'm Jonathan. And this is Hot Guys. Excuse you. That was that crazy? Jumping the gun a little bit. What? Well. Because it was pre-Hawk Fact? Yeah. Well, you know, we used to Should I do the Hawk Fact first? Oh, do it. Nah. No. Nah. I'm just gonna. I'm you just don't gonna. Want to? It's just gonna. It's just gonna happen. Okay. It's gonna come out of me. Cool. 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 We'll wait. So, um, well, since it's just the two of us, why don't we check in a little bit? What's been going on with you? <laughs> since it's just the two of us, we gotta check in. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Well, last week, uh, we recorded an episode about um, waking life. Yes, that's correct. So that's what's been going on with me. That's it? That's all that's happening with you? No, I mean, right now I'm drinking this uh, martini. Oh, what kind of martini is it? Gin. Hmm. The only right way to do it. Wow. Yep, take that, James Bond. Um, yeah, I'm drinking a, a lemon, truly hard seltzer. Ooh, You may recall tough. about seven episodes ago, I was talking about how I didn't like truly. But uh, I think I've uh, come around. Mm -hmm. And I think I also just had to find the right flavor for me. True. So true. Yeah. Truly. Truly. Um, What have I been up to? Oh, I watched a bunch of movies this week. In addition to tape, which Mm -hmm. we're discussing this evening. uh, I also watched Judy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Golden Globe for Renee, gotta say. I feel like she's gonna win musical or comedy, and JLo's gonna win drama. That's how I'm feeling. Unless some crazy Golden Globes nonsense happens and Hustlers gets put into musical or comedy because they dance. Well. I don't think that movie's a comedy. It's funny when Lily Reinhardt vomits, but that's kind of it. No, I think, I think it's kind of a comedy. With like a serious streak through it? I guess. I don't know. I remember laughing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's totally not out of the realm of possibility that it'd be classified as a comedy. Yeah, I know. I always they, but they always do some crazy stuff with that category. I can't remember anything specific now, but I know that almost every year I feel like there's something in there that doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of hustlers, did we talk about this last week? Frank Whaley was in Hustlers. Uh, I don't think we talked about it. No. Yeah. So Frank Whaley, um, who we know as father oh i think we maybe we did talk about from this. midnight clear and also he's the director writer director of joe the king yeah um and he's also going to be i think the director star of a movie we watch later on called jimmy something i can't remember jimmy the queen no um well anyway we'll find out another movie we're going to watch later on um, Frank Whaley has lots of crossover with the Ethan Hawke cinematic universe, and he was a fun a fun spot in in Hustlers. Who does he play? He is the um, like the backroom uh, um, rich Wall Street guy. You know how they do go through that oh, thing yeah, where there yeah, are different yeah. tiers yeah, of Wall yeah, Street guys. Yeah. He's like the richest of them. Wow. So yeah, that was fun. Good for him, I guess. I guess i don't know cool yeah um so yeah what else did i watch i watched a simple favor mm-hmm. i kind of wish that had been a little better but i did really enjoy the performances in that movie um sure. and i watched late night with mindy kaling and emma thompson and i did enjoy that more than i expected and you watched some of suspiria oh and i did watch i watched most of suspiria mm-hmm um yeah why don't you talk about how that happened well i was just i was i was like oh i think i'm gonna watch the spiria and then i was like <laughs> do you want to watch it and you're like uh i kind of wanted to but i don't know and i was like it's scary and then you're like uh then i won't watch it and i was like you sure and you're like yeah i'm sure i'm like you sure and you're like yeah i'm sure so i put it on and then something scary happened and i hear from like over my shoulder like oh my god <laughs> i turn around and i'm like oh you're watching this movie and you're like yeah i've been watching most of the whole thing so and then you're like oh no this is too scary i was like i don't know what to tell you yeah, so, yeah i meant I'm... to that first time when i exclaimed yeah I, I think that was the scariest scene in the movie i thought to myself I need to get up and like go take a bath or something and be in a different room, just relaxing. Yeah. Also, that movie's two and a half hours, so yeah, or no, two, two fifteen or so. I don't know. It's not a short movie. Because basically, I was finishing editing an episode of Hawkeyes, and so I finished. But then I kind of felt like I had to listen to it over again because I felt like I had missed some stuff. But I didn't. It was fine. Just so you guys are know that i did a good job the first time around anyway That'll but i was the judge of that i was listening to it but it wasn't like i didn't have to super actively li- i mean i was listening but then i was just kind of looking i didn't have anything to look at really except for suspiria was on in the room so i ended up watching a lot of that and i missed some stuff because it's in german a lot and the french i got most of but right yeah um yeah it was I was it was a lot. Yeah, it's 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 definitely like a horror movie. There there weren't like 
fucking around. Yeah, they were not. But I thought Dakota Johnson was really good. And that other girl who looked really familiar and I can't quite place her was good too. Oh, 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 oh. Um, was her name Sarah or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mia Goth is that. Mia Goth. Oh, yeah. she's in High Life. Yeah. Yeah. I, but when I saw her in High Life, I was like, oh, she looks familiar. I think every time I've ever seen her, I'm like, yeah. she looks familiar. Yeah. Oh, she's a witch. Just kidding. She's not a witch in the movie. No. Spoilers. Spoilers. For Spoilers. Suspiria. Yeah. Um, but a uh, killer score on that movie. Yeah. Good job, Tom York. Uh, What's my time here? Compression. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's what we've been up to. Good episode. See you next week. Oh, that's it. No, I'm just kidding. Let's talk about tape. Okay. So this is our fourth Richard Linklater movie. Oh, also, this uh, time for a quick break. Oh, okay. This episode is brought to you by Rolling Rock. Rolling Rock. The water of beers. Thank you. What? Oh, because it was in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. I figured that they should sponsor us. Okay. Well, but we shouldn't um, shout them out unless they're actually giving us money. Okay, we should fine. never say any product that we use unless they're giving us money. You just talked about Truly for th- a s- I three up. minutes. I messed up. Yeah, well. Well, Truly sponsor us. Yeah, but not Rolling Rock, apparently. No, okay. Rolling Rock sponsor us, too. Drink responsibly. Yeah, that's true. Drink responsibly, folks. Yeah. <sighs> so. Tape. Is our fourth Richard Linklater movie. And it really features uh, some of the the biggest players in the Ethan Hawke cinematic universe. Yeah. So it's Richard Linklater, and it stars Ethan Hawke, and also stars Robert Sean Leonard. Yes. Who we know from Dead Poets Society. Yes. And Uma Thurman. Yes. Who we know from Gattaca. It's a lot of heavy hitters, and that's the entire cast. That's it. Just three people, three one people. room. Yeah. Uh, three cameras. Yeah. There aren't even any like other voices Mm-mm. that you hear. Yeah. There's no people on the phone that you hear. There's no outside shots of this motel room whatsoever. No, nothing. This movie takes place entirely inside this motel room. That's right yeah so buckle up yeah and um fire up some hbo kick your feet up it's motel time that's right we should do a new segment called motel reviews what would the segment entail we just review motels oh i don't really want to do that though (laughs) (laughs) that's true we could be affecting people's business. Yeah, that's true. Well, why don't you want to do that? Just because you don't, I don't think really it sounds fun. want to stay fine. in a motel. Oh no, I just mean like no, I just mean like you. You just tell us right now of the motels that you've stayed at. What do you think of them? Not great. I'd rather pay like twenty more dollars to go stay at like a courtyard or something. True. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I've stayed in a few motels. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Motel 6 has really, like, stepped up their game. Yeah. The last... I've stayed it at a hotel that was more like a motel. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was not entirely dissimilar from the Florida Project, except it was in Reno, Nevada. Hmm. I won't name it, but yeah. it's not a not the cleanest or nicest smelling establishment mm-hmm. or the strongest AC. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's a great question. Yeah. Well, what about hotels? Do you have any... Do you have any... Are Ho- any th- hotel reviews? Are we moving on to hotel reviews? Yeah, yeah. Since you didn't want to do motels. Hotel reviews. Where did I... St- oh, I was just in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Where'd you stay? I stayed at Planet Hollywood. And how was that? Planet Hollywood was fun. You know? You know, I got to tell you, Mm. I don't know that you're going to make it as a hotel reviewer. Yeah, I don't have like strong opinions about, you know, that there was a bed. I thought you like, you know, liked hotels. I I like staying in a hotel. But you don't have opinions on them? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I I like getting away from it. I like a hotel with a jacuzzi. I wasn't in, okay, I wasn't at Planet Hollywood long enough to make the most of it. That's sure, what I'll sure. say. So, like, I know they had a fitness center I could have used. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they had, like, a spa where I could have had spa treatments. I'm sure they had a pool and a jacuzzi because it's Vegas. I'm sure they had a pool. So, um, but I just was only there for, like, 23 hours. So, all I really did in my hotel room was sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, I showered. The That's shower good. was fine. The bath was kind of dirty, to be honest. So I didn't use it. I would have, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, the toilet had its own like little ensuite. You know, there was like a door that separated the toilet from oh. the rest of the bathroom, which is kind of nice if you have like multiple people staying in the hotel room. Sure, yeah. So you know, um, yeah, and we had a nice view of the back of Planet Hollywood, <laughs> just the top of the building. Nice. Yeah, of the lower part of the building mm-hmm. um it was very um it looked like a desert outside it was las vegas sure sure yeah. sure sure. yeah um but yeah i mean the theater i was seeing christina aguilera and the, the theater where i saw her was also in planet hollywood so oh, i could convenient. have never gone outside wow that's what vegas is all about yeah i think so yeah cool yep how about you hotel review um well that one i just discussed well that was a motel review well it was a hotel motel oh. holiday inn mm-hmm. uh, it was not a holiday inn oh yeah holiday inns are fine it's a travel lodge <gasps> wow okay well let's move on from this segment okay um i could tell you hated it no it was i just didn't really have a lot to contribute that's fine and i don't want to like you know I don't know. Disparage Disparage. businesses. True. On our show. So yeah, this movie was a lot. Yeah. Basically, the plot of this movie, if I could summarize, Mm -hmm. is Ethan Hawke and Robert Sean Leonard play two old friends from high school. And they're both in Lansing, Michigan, because Robert Sean Leonard's character, John, is showing a film at the Lansing Film Festival. And Ethan Hawke's character, Vince, 
kind of sets him up in a way to to discuss a possible date rape that he may have uh, committed back in high school. Yeah. Uh, and to get it on tape, what hence the name of the movie, but also I think because it was on digital, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, but then the girl in question is played by Uma Thurman, who is now the assistant district attorney in Lansing, and so she comes into play and um, becomes involved in this conversation of whether or not the date rape happened yeah and uh what the consequences might be for that right and she comes in like two-thirds of the way through the movie yeah so and that's kind of where the big tense confrontation comes in but in the beginning you just see robert sean leonard uh, so it, the room, it just starts off and it's just Ethan Hawke mm-hmm. drinking beer and whatnot. Uh, and then Robert Sean Leonard comes in mm-hmm. and he's like, they just start having a normal conversation. Yeah. And basically Robert Sean Leonard is calling him out on um, just being kind of a shitty person because he broke up with his girlfriend Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke, yeah. Yeah, Ethan Hawke broke up with his girlfriend, and and Robert John Leonard is asking him why, and he's being really cagey about it, and in and then Robert John Leonard implies that oh maybe you were rough with her, like you mm-hmm. have a tendency to do that, and so you it kind of sets it up so that you think that Robert John Leonard is the moral arbiter, but then uh, Ethan Hawke sort of flips the script on him by bringing up this possible date rape situation mm-hmm. robert sean leonard is very very defensive in the beginning and he says it wasn't that's not what it was he's like he uh, there's a scene where ethan Hawke repeatedly asks him what happened and he says we had sex and he's like but how mm-hmm. and so he keeps asking over and over until he finally gets him to sort of break down a little bit and say that he basically says that he raped her. Yeah, he says that he held her hands over her head. Yeah. And forced himself on her, basically. Yeah. And then he gets that on tape. Yes. Um, Just like a note that I had about this whole opening part mm-hmm. is that at the beginning i had a kind of hard time believing this version of ethan hawk with this version of robert sean leonard and i upon reflection i think i kind of understand what they were going for is that they you know were in the same place in high school and it's 10 years later so they both you know robert sean leonard has grown and maybe ethan hawk hasn't so much mm-hmm. in the sense that ethan hawk is st- his character is still you know he's a drug dealer yeah he drinks heavily and he drinks a lot and he is you know rough with his girlfriend yeah and robert sean leonard has um successful somewhat successful career Mm -hmm. as a filmmaker yeah and he seems like he's kind of reformed because they talk about how you know they were jerks in high school like all guys are jerks in high school yeah and he seems to have kind of gotten his act together yeah 
Um, and so, but it was just kind of off-putting. And I also think now that this was intentional, but it was, the whole thing was kind of off-putting because Ethan Hawke was so frenetic, such like big energy. Um, and Robert Sean Leonard was so reserved. Yeah. The whole time that it was kind of hard to watch them interact for me. Mm-hmm. Because it just didn't make a lot of sense for the two of them to be together. I didn't have a problem with it at all, actually. I think that he... Um, first off, he's like a drug dealer. He's already on drugs. He's already drunk. And I think these are two people that haven't seen each other in a while. So I think like you see that Robert Sean Leonard's character is like kind of uncomfortable with him. And he's a little bit... You know, he's in this mo- this slightly dingy motel room. He's just kind of, like, put off, I think, the entire time, basically. Mm-hmm. And Ethan Hawke has set up this scenario, and that's why he's so kind of, um, you know, he's, he's kind of on edge in, like, an excited way because he wants it to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wants everything to go how he envisioned. Yeah, so he's he's sort of energetic, and Robert Sean Leonard is, like, a little more apprehensive because he's, like, w- he doesn't exactly know what's going on. And also, he's, like, he wants to get food. <laughs> he keeps saying he yeah. wants to get food, so I think that's probably part of it, honestly, mm-hmm. is that he's, like, he's trying to get him to get up so they can go get food together. Um, But then finally, it's sort of... It, continues escalating into the part where he records the tape um and then robert sean leonard kind of focuses on trying to get the tape back and throughout the next like 10 or 15 minutes before uma thurman arrives he's trying to get him to get give him back the tape but he won't do it Mm -hmm. um yeah, there are a few interesting things about the format of this movie. One thing is that it's less than 90 minutes. So it doesn't follow like a very normal structure mm-hmm. for a feature length film. Um, and the other reason for that is because it's based on a one act play. Mm-hmm. So which is by nature short and, yeah. to, you know, kind of to the point. Um, and the play was by Stephen Belber, who also adapted the screen. He adapted the screenplay. Okay. Um, it seems like it wouldn't be that much work. Yeah, it felt like a play. Because I, I, I don't see like what you would need to change to make it into this movie. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Maybe just like the descriptions of the shots or something? Yeah. The beer? Rolling Rock? <laughs> At the end of the credits, it said like special thanks to Rolling Rock. Yeah so um yeah i don't know i mean there might be a few adjustments that needed to be made to make it work for i don't know what the original screenplay was like if there Mm -hmm. was something that was you know especially different Mm -hmm. um but yeah i kind of doubt it um but this is something that jonathan you will know about me but the listeners might not know is that i have a very hard time with movies that are based on plays yes that's true we had a we had a a a falling out (laughs) About fences. Yeah, we stopped talking to each other for about six months. Yeah. Because you said you hated fences. I didn't hate (laughs) fences. It just felt like I was watching a play. And when I'm watching a movie, I want to watch a movie. I don't want to watch a play. It's one of my (sighs) harshest takes, for sure. Yeah, Um, it is. But I... 
I just... When I'm watching a play... And yet... (laughs) And yet you, like, love musicals. I do love musicals. Which are plays. Yes. But movie musicals are different than stage musicals. Here's the thing for me that is different about a play and a musical. The dialogue in a play feels different than the dialogue in a movie because the point of a movie is i'm not necessarily but often the point of the movie is to be naturalistic like an extension of the world that you're already in like you're just viewing a thing in the world Mm -hmm. and i know what you're about to say musicals are crazy but um but with a play the fact the way that a play is, this is hard to put into words, but. Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. Um, the nature of a play allows and often calls for you to suspend disbelief, including with the dialogue. So dialogue can feel more unnatural in a play than I think it should in a movie. So when you have the same kind of dialogue, coming straight from the the play and putting it into the movie, it doesn't work the same way. You know, there's just something jarring about it. I don't know. Anyway, that's just how I feel. There's something jarring about it. With a musical also. But like, there's so many, there's so many movies that like, there's so many movies that are not meant to be naturalistic that are meant to be either surreal or even just exaggerated in terms of like, the way people talk like if you see like a lot of david lynch things like mm-hmm. everyone's very kind of it's like almost like 50s ish where people are like have these over exaggerated mannerisms but it still works because it's it, it inhabits its own world which is like the same with a play where it's like with a movie based on a play where it, it can inhabit its own world and not be problematic when you put it in the scope of either plays or movies yeah, I understand what you're saying. Just for me personally, it's jarring. Yeah, I I just think that that's like, I mean, that's fine. Like you're entitled to your your sort of way of thinking. <laughs> I can I just address musicals for a second? Sure. Yeah, address them. So I think that there are a lot of movie musicals are often not successful. Mm-hmm. But for me, some of the most successful ones managed to change the dialogue part into a way that works more for film. Okay. So that would be Dream Girls, which just feels like such a movie, you know? Sure. Uh, and yeah, I think Dream <laughs> just Girls. Dream just Dream Girls. Girls. Just Dream Girls. No, the I think Chicago musical. works pretty well. Um, Doesn't Chicago kind of feel like a play, though? Chicago, I said it works pretty well. Okay. Right. Um, okay. Okay. There are, you know, a lot of the stuff that feels, you know, they maintain. So in movie musicals, basically the musical numbers still feel like they're in a musical because that's what, you know, because it's a musical number. Mm-hmm. But that's the part where you would have to suspend disbelief either way, mm-hmm. you know. And, but for the, like the dialogue part, a lot of what I think adapting a a musical into a movie musical is, is making it work for screen. And a lot of that is updating the dialogue. Mm 
okay. and the actions of, okay. so that it feels less flat and more natural okay. in the dialogue part so that you're only suspending disbelief for the musical numbers. Sure, sure. That's just how I feel. I don't know. I understand. No, okay. Okay. I get that what you're saying about musicals, movie musicals and plays, I can I can understand why those two things are different. Thank you. I get what you're saying. Thank you. So. I appreciate it. Yeah. I don't think that everyone needs Senator to feel Biden, the same. Senator Biden, a minute to respond. <laughs> I don't think that everyone needs to feel the same way that I do. Mm-hmm. It's just a personal preference. I like my movies to feel like movies. Mm-hmm. And that's it. This movie is in Michigan. It is. Not in Texas. It is not in Texas. That's true. No, you would think that uh, Richard Linklater would make a movie about every county in Texas. <laughs> yep. No, I like your beta impression. It's good. Thank you. It relies a lot on... <laughs> you on, said thank you like him too. <laughs> it relies... The thing is, my impression relies a lot on physicality, yeah. which can't be conveyed here, but, you know... We should take this podcast live and I will stand on every table in every convention hall and deliver my message. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's good. We'll take a video of you doing it and then standing on our table or something and, yeah. uh, and I've put it on get Instagram. A, make a shirt. With a th- that just says every county in Texas. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, I've got to like dress like him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could go with him for Halloween maybe. Oh, you should... But that sounds like this seems like an endorsement. You know what I mean? No, I don't think so. I think at this point he's like pulling at one percent. It's just That's like true. you're being That's a pop true. culture. He could drop figure. out by the time we get yeah. to October. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, de- October thirtieth. Yeah. Yeah. Although, are there any debates between now and then? There's one, I think. Okay, because I think usually candidates drop out like around. Around debates. Around debates. Yeah. Like, there's not really any reason to drop out if you're... Mm-hmm. Unless you're, like, hemorrhaging money. Yeah, yeah. But it's, like... Because a lot of time, candidates will drop out if they don't make a debate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Yeah. Speaking of white men... <laughs> tape has two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Do you think Ethan Wait, Hawke's so, Spanish is better or worse than Beto's? Worse, without a doubt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Beto actually speaks Spanish. That's true. Yeah. Um, so, did you think the tape felt like a play? I did. You did? You did think it felt like a play? I did. So the More w- than Fences? No. I don't know. I haven't thought about it too much. But I will say that the point where I was able to get into this movie... Um, I, I was at a certain point able to stop thinking about it. Okay. And the point where I was able to stop thinking about it was when Ethan Hawke does that cheer. P is for party. A is for all night long. That. Oh, yeah. That was. At, at that point, I was like, okay. I yeah, just need crazy. to that let this so happen bizarre. to me. Yeah. I liked that. So let's let's talk a bit about movies that take place in one setting. Sure. Do you have any on hand? Well, no, because we've talked about this recently. Oh, and yeah. And I know that I have an appreciation for them. Mm-hmm. 
I'm having a hard time thinking of well because we were just we're talking about Locke. We were talking about oh yeah, buried or whatever it's called. Buried and the shallows. Shallows, yeah. Yeah. Well, the shallows, I guess, is slightly more. Because she kind of goes She from, gets away. Yeah, she yeah. goes from the beach yeah, to yeah. the It's buoy. not quite as yeah. contained. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, she is just in the water. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh. But yeah, I do like Locke. But these are all movies that are just one person by themselves, though. Yes, that's true. So it's a little different. Yeah. Can you think of any other ones that have multiple people in one place? <sighs> not off the top of my head I'll do a quick google no I, I mean i just like the idea or like movies that take place over the course of one day as well oh well yeah richard linklater is a big one for that so yes, you know dazed and confused slacker yeah oh 12 angry men oh rope rope yeah yeah that- oh i think i saw a comparison to rope in a review also yeah oh there's an entire imdb list i yeah. love it Clerks, more or less. Clerks mm-hmm. has a lot of characters, though. Rear Window, I haven't seen actually. You haven't I seen saw, I saw. Um, That's a good one. I saw. Uh, what's the What's the Shia LaBeouf version? Oh, Disturbia. Disturbia, yeah. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I've seen a number of these. So yeah, Rear Window, Twelve Angry Men, Rope. Yeah. Rope is great. No, I was, ta- I was talking about this with, um, I, I mentioned this before, but I, I interviewed this guy who had a, uh, mm-hmm. uh, zine that he made about, um, about movies and architecture. It's called set was the name of the zine. Um, and he talked about, he, he mentioned this movie tape. And we talked about rope as well, about just in general, about movies that take place in one location. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tape was one that he would have wanted to make uh, a zine about had they not discontinued their project. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I have been interested in this movie for a while and I am interested in general in like movies and uh, things that take take place in one location. Oh, Panic Room. Yeah. That's yeah. a good one. It's you see I think you see a little bit of the house as you well. You do you do see the house because um yeah. it's Forrest Whitaker and his men are like outside and are in the house yeah. while yeah. Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart are in the panic room. But it's still basically one yeah. location. Yeah. And then phone booth. Do you remember yeah, that? I do remember phone booth. Phone booth. I think that one's almost entirely I think no, you have some shots of so, yeah, exterior shots and the I think the negotiator You see where the assassin is and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, again, that's another one where it's mostly in one location. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Moon is stretching it. Yeah. Yeah. It's on this list. Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. That's yeah. A good one. I think that's, you basically see them go in and go out and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Clerks hey, is mentioned hey, as well. Hey. The Interview. The interview, the James Franco, Seth Rogen movie? No, no. Hugo Weaving. Huh. A Carnage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's I a good I love one. that movie. Yeah. Problematic AF, I guess. Yeah. Roman Polanski. But great movie. And that one is, yeah, 
99% of the action takes place in one place and then you only see one shot at the end spoiler alert of somewhere outside which mm-hmm. is the playground yeah yeah that's a great movie it is a great movie yeah so there's 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 that's movies your problematic faves what where where your problematic faves oh roman polanski fans yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call myself a fan overall. I just like I do like that movie. Yeah, and I, I've I never like seen, Chinatown as well. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really care about that movie. Um, and I've never seen Rosemary's Baby either. I haven't seen it either. So. Yeah, so they're having this whole conversation basically. Mm-hmm. And Ethan Hawke reveals that he invited. Uh, Uma Thurman scared. Excuse me. Character Amy. Yes, to come by, and. Robert Sean Leonard is freaking out about what to do, mm-hmm. but he decides to stick around. Yeah. And she comes in and she seems visibly uncomfortable mm-hmm. by the fact that Robert Sean Leonard is there. Yeah. She even says that she wants, she says, she's like, oh, I'll just wait for you in the car. Yeah. For Ethan Hawke. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, what's, uh, what, uh, what's the big deal? You know, like just like uh stick around and uh like have a conversation you know yeah it's so weird and forced how is that my how is my ethan Rock impression it's okay it's okay yeah it's okay. we'll get there yeah, we'll, we'll get, get there. there we'll get there yeah you know uh we'll get there it's like uh you know <laughs> it, it, it's it, it. uh what's this it's great to be alive. That's pretty good. Sort of his quotes from this good. movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another great line I liked from this. Um, he says, I'm not high and mighty. I'm too high to be high and mighty. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when Uma Thurman comes in and he encourages her to come in um, and like talk to them for a while, Ethan Hawke sits down and has like the widest man spread I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> It was shocking. And he's wearing boxers for most of this movie. Yeah. Until she until comes she in. Comes and yeah. he puts on clothes. And also he puts on cowboy boots, which I thought was a classic uh, Hawk Link later touch. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, why I took would, note of that too. Why would this guy who lives in Oakland, who's in Michigan, who presumably they didn't go to school. I'm guessing that these people didn't go to school in Texas if, you know, they're centered in Lansing now. Like... Why would he have cowboy boots? No it's reason just, other just, than... Uh, it's just a vibe, you know? Yeah, it is a vibe. So, yeah. So then Amy calls uh, Vince, Ethan, Ethan Hawke's character, out for needing everything to go according to his plan. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they're both... Everyone is so uncomfortable in this. Well, like Robert Sean Leonard and Uma Thurman's characters are both so uncomfortable. And... Um, and so she calls him out for forcing them to do everything the way he wants. Yeah. Um, and Robert Sean Leonard tries to leave, but Ethan Hawke won't let him. And he like, you know, reminds him of the tape, but then he, he hands he him the tape. does end up. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like, he's like, basically like, I'm actually leaving now. He opens the door and Ethan Hawke tosses him the tape. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then he ends up giving it back to him. He throws it back mm-hmm. to him, and then he walks out. Um, 
and then it's just Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman having a conversation for a bit and Robert Shaw Leonard comes back. Yeah, but before he comes back, there's a really interesting exchange between Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Where he tries to get it out of her, you know, that Robert Shaw Leonard's character had raped oh, her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's and, like, what happened between you two? Yeah, and it's... But she says, and I really liked this, that it isn't his business whether or not he had, John had raped her. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and she says that he didn't, but she still, but she was very firm. Like it wasn't his business, and I, I liked that a lot. Yeah, yeah. She's she's kind of not having any of his his shit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, then he comes back. Um, and he's basically like, he's like, he basically says that he wants to apologize. And she's like, for what? And then he's like, you know, for what happened? And she basically kind of keeps on saying why over and over. I wrote, I had a note that just said why. Because mm-hmm. the word why was said in this movie so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she keeps saying why. And then he says, because I raped you. And she's like, she kind of laughs. And she's like, no, you didn't. Um. He's like, yes, I did. He he starts getting angry at her for not kind of acknowledging what he thought, what he was saying uh, had happened. Yeah, and he thinks that he's like, she's like playing with him. Yeah, and it's just really bizarre and uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, and I think that. I think that for her, it was kind of like she, I don't know. I It's hard to say. It's hard to say, but I. it kind of seems to me like she didn't want to give him like the sort of satisfaction mm-hmm. of having like been absolved. Yeah. Like if she acknowledged it, then he would have been... He would have successfully apologized for it. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe she didn't want to give him the satisfaction. Or it didn't go as he thought it had. Yeah. That's the other possibility. We don't we don't ever get to know that for sure. Yeah, they keep it pretty ambiguous. Yeah, because she never admits that it happened. Except at the end where she... Basically, she calls the police. Mm-hmm. And says, oh, we have, you know, and she, she calls them like, not like 911. She calls them like, I'm the assistant DA. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that, that kind of a phone call. She says, we have uh, class one, but I don't, I don't remember exactly what she says. The drugs. Yeah. The drugs and, and also like the admitted rape or whatever, mm-hmm. sexual assault. I don't remember exactly the terminology she uses, but so, yeah, but that's the only time that she admits it. And then. And it turns out that she didn't call the cops anyway. So there's there's no... And that's kind of like the twist at the end, I guess. And so at, at no point in this movie does she actually acknowledge mm-hmm. that he had raped her. Or if he had. Yeah. And I I mean, I kind of thought that because she did that, that it meant that he had... 
But I think going back to what she said about how it wasn't any of Vince's, Ethan Hawke's business, it's kind of creates this effect where it's like not our business either. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, true. One thing about that scene where she calls the cops. Um, so with the drugs, Ethan Hawke has a lot of weed yeah. on him. It's this giant bag, and so he dumps it all down the toilet and flushes it. But it must have been very expensive. Yeah, well, at first he tries to run. Yeah. And then he comes back, and he's like, he's because he, I think he realizes that there's no way he can get out mm-hmm. in time. So he runs, he takes his stuff, and he's like cursing and like freaking out, rushes to the bathroom and flushes it all down. Yeah, and then when he realizes that she didn't actually call the police, he's like just like, almost crying on the bathroom yeah. floor yeah, he's like why would you do that yeah and then uh amy says there will be other drugs vincent and he says i know but i really liked those ones yeah which was funny yeah um but yeah i mean i think kind of the the you know the whole thing is that you get to see their their real character by because of what she did yeah yeah he, he robert john leonard decides to stick around yeah, and face whatever consequences yeah. he has to yeah. for what he did. Because at first he says, like, oh, isn't there a statute of limitations? And she says... No, she, he doesn't no, say anything she about brings it. She brings it up. it up. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she says, Don't you, do you think you're safe? Because there's this statute of limitations has run out. And he's like, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, and she says, because there isn't. Yeah. Yeah, he decides to stick around anyway. Yeah and but yeah so then it it reveals that she reveals that she didn't call anyone and then she just grabs her stuff and like walks out and that's the end of the movie basically yeah and then it cuts to the end credits and i'm sorry by brenda lee plays which Mm -hmm. i thought was a really uh, well-suited song Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for this movie um but yeah what like what a complicated movie yeah yeah, I just, um, like, I was kind of uncomfortable the whole time, which I think was the point. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so one interesting thing about this movie, uh, the production of this movie, is that, so it was part of a series for Bravo mm-hmm. um, by... Like uh, and the project was called Indigent, which was trying to encourage filmmakers to do more digital uh-huh. film. So what they got, they got a hundred thousand dollars in three cameras, and that's all they had to shoot this to make this movie. Right. Which is it crazy. looks like it was shot yeah. on a two thousand six flip phone. Yeah. It looks like shit. Yeah. Like it looks genuinely terrible. Yeah. It's it's grainy. It's pretty low quality. Um. But, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it kind of works. Yeah, no, uh, I, I I like this movie, but it looked like shit. Yeah, like, I, so I was watching an interview with them where they were talking about how they thought, uh, Richard Linker was talking about how he thought that, you know, shooting on digital was perfect because, like, the... You know, he it wouldn't have been as good if it was 35 millimeter film because it wouldn't have had the same texture. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't know that that's true, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Because, and I, I mean, I think it's I think it's so important that people like Richard Linklater did use digital during this transition time where digital was new. Um, because I think we talked about this earlier, but like it was kind of the late nineties to early two thousands when digital really took on. Mm-hmm. And so it was new and it wasn't great to look at. Yeah. And so it's so important that people like Richard Linklater did do movies like this so that they could figure out how it worked in, you know, and how, uh, how it differed from film and how to make it better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not great to look at. I also don't know how how they could have just like in terms of the limitations of the space that they were working with. Mhm. Like literally the space. I don't mean like, you know. Yeah, like the size of the, the room. The size of the room. I don't know that they could have shot with I mean, I don't know that much about, like, film Mm -hmm. cameras, but my understanding is that they're often kind of big. Yeah, you might have needed, like, a soundstage or a set for that. Yeah. It wasn't... And I think this was, like, a real hotel room. An actual, yeah. Yeah. Because there's there's a scene where Ethan Hawke looks back into the mirror. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's not the mirror. It's just the camera lens facing him. Mm Mm-hmm. And looking back. There's like several shots where it's like there's no way you could do this with like a full size yeah. film camera. Yeah. Like there's he's like he flips back and forth between them when they're talking, and mm-hmm. like there's some scenes where he's like really close to the camera, and like against the wall, and it's like the space seems like it would have been so tight. Yeah. So I get that they, I get why they would go for a small a small of a camera as they could. Mm-hmm. But again, it looks awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was also just coming off of Waking Life on this one. Which yeah, I like how he was going for like, he's like, now I'm entering my unwatchable phase. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And he also shot that on digital. And mm-hmm. then it was, you know, went through rot- rotoscope. Yeah. But um, he was, yeah, he was a real... Uh, yeah, Digital Frontier. Yeah. Pioneer. Pioneer. Yeah, you're thinking of you're frontier. thinking of that commercial. What was I thinking the of? The Digital Frontier, like you've got a friend in the Digital Frontier. Oh my god. Do you remember that? I Do you was. know you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, where the guy's like playing ukulele. Wireless internet. He's like gentrifying Brooklyn internet. and playing ukulele. Yeah. 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 Wow. God. Yeah. Well, it's because you're on the digital frontier. <laughs> I am, yeah. You no, just we're on absorb- spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> you just absorb commercials, which yeah, I get that's it. True, I, I, do. I absorb commercials too. Yeah. I still remember the JG Wilmer theme. Yeah. 877 Cash Now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I hate that so it's much. Bad. It's, it's my bad. money and I need it now. Yeah. It's like, although I, you said that you didn't remember this, but um, uh, Cars for Kids. Yeah. Yeah. That was, they recently used that on uh, The Good Place because they thought it was like as like the theme song of hell yeah yeah yeah. because it is truly the worst yeah no i'm sure i'm sure um yeah and i remember that a lot i think it might have been a spotify ad now that i think about it back when we all had spotify with ads god dude i like forgot what it was like to have spotify with ads it was the worst yeah they had some ads where they they would just like play obnoxious noises oh oh, oh, riley 
Yes. Auto parts. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that was awful. That was and then classic. they had some they had some ads where it was just like like they were just making awful noises. Like what? Just like like just <laughs> cacophony. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, if this will get you to switch to premium or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So obnoxious. You Swedes come in, <laughs> you know, make that noise to my face. See what happens. Yeah. Sorry. I'm being very aggressive to the Swedish. Yeah, it okay. is Swedish, right? Yes. I okay. think they are Swedish. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fuck them and their inexpensive <laughs> service. Um trying to look through my notes and see if i had anything else interesting to say i had i took a note where they were talking about how you know uh robert sean leonard has money now mm-hmm. and how he's wearing nice shoes and he was wearing the ugliest shoes mm-hmm. <sighs> bad yeah i didn't notice but you're our menswear expert so so true um, I had a note that said not to talk about the hottest state for the millionth time, but I find it to be so relevant in so many of Ethan Hawke's movies. Uh-huh. Um, his character in this movie. So one trait that I think his, uh, protagonist in the hottest state shares with, uh, his character Vince in this movie tape is the... Like, the aggression towards a significant other. In The Hottest State, he becomes kind of, like, violently obsessed with her when things don't go his way. Uh-huh. And it sounds like his character in this movie, at least from the beginning, um, how what we heard about his breakup with his girlfriend was kind of similar. Yeah. 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 Also, um, a note about the name Vincent. Or Vince. We've seen it a lot of times now. He's, uh, Vincent in Gattaca. Vincent Canby. What's his birth name? Mm-hmm. Yes, Vincent Canby from the New York Times. Um, and, uh, his, in the hottest state, the name of his father is Vince. Vincent also. Okay. Um, are there any more Vince's? That I could know. be it. But, I, I believe you. I mean, uh, I, there could be others. Yeah. And and then he goes on to play in to, in the 2006 movie version of The Hottest State that he'll write and direct. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays the father character named Vince. Mm-hmm. So this will be three Vinces he's played. There's a funny line where Ethan Hawke's character, Vince, tries to claim that he's a firefighter. He says, I'm a firefighter. And Robert Trent Leonard says, you deal to the fire chief. And Ethan Hawke says, he needs me. Yeah. That was a fun exchange. Yeah. And then uh, Uma Thurman's character is also kind of incredulous at the idea that he's a firefighter. Yeah. Because she's basically like, uh, are there a lot of, are there not a lot of fires in Oakland? And he's like, I'd say about average. And she's like, it must not be that busy for you to be here, basically. Yeah. She says, um, Oakland must be really safe. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Oh, also the other thing that kind of um, after that party cheer that I said kind of broke down the movie for me and let me get into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where Ethan Hawke and Robert Sean Leonard there. It's two like double beds in this motel room. Yeah. And so they each are lying down on one and then 
um, they are smoking weed together, like handing the joint back and forth, which felt um, like a kind of natural position for them to be in. Mm-hmm. So I liked that and it made sense to me. Sure. Um, yeah. Oh, also they start like wrestling, like play wrestling, but it's uh-huh. also a little aggressive. Yeah. At a certain yeah. point. And they, he also does like tackle him because he's trying to get the tape, which mm-hmm. he uh, is unsuccessful. Yeah. I think he could have done it. I think he just wasn't trying that hard. Yeah. I think he, I think he wanted to I, cause I think be he held felt accountable. An amount of guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Am I boring you? No, 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 no. <laughs> For the listeners. At home, Jonathan just picked up a copy of The New Yorker and started flipping through it. I guess I did. That's cool. That's cool. Um, it's the most contentious uh, episode yet. Uh, maybe. Oh, you won't even agree with me on that? <laughs> Should we do a hack fact? Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Caca. Wow. Huh. I just lacked a, you know, spirit. <laughs> so. <laughs> since. You know, it's the hawk noise. Colbert Report. Colbert, yeah. That's pretty good. Thank you. Gotta say. Thank you. So, uh, since this movie is about three people that seem to be stuck inside this room. Oh, okay. I wanted to take a look at hawks that get stuck in places. Fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, what if a hawk gets stuck inside a building? From Greenboro Pest Animal.com. Uh, birds occasionally have a tendency to get in places they're not supposed to be. Um... And some birds, not a big deal, but hawks are dangerous raptors, so you got to be careful with those. Um, so the best way to catch, this is Greensboro, this is about North Carolina, mm-hmm. but I think this is general advice that can be applied to hawks that get stuck in buildings. Okay. Uh, is to use a mist net. A what? A mist net. What's a mist net? Well, the net uses thin materials and the bird will not see it. So it will fly in it and get stuck. Uh, Otherwise, you should turn off the lights and cover the windows and let only one window be opened wide to let the birds out. So that's the strategy. Interesting. It sounds dangerous and like you should maybe just call animal control. Yes. Well, (laughs) if you cannot do it yourself call animal control and there was a video uh in i closed the tab classic (laughs) i'm just kidding uh so yeah i was just i was just looking up about birds stuck or hawks stuck in places and this one happened to be in michigan wow yeah relevant and this is a video of a broad-winged hawk that was stuck in a building behind a michigan general store and these guys these two guys 
uh, were able to free it. Uh, the broad-winged hawk was stuck in a building behind Roy's general store. So if you're ever in... Where is this place? I don't know. If you're ever in Michigan, in any part of the store, in any part of the state, excuse me, please pop on down to Roy's general store. They freed a hawk. And they'll free you from whatever needs you might have yeah. that can be purchased at a store. Exactly. So there you go. That's my hawk fact. Very nice. Yes. Um. Well, I have some. I found an interview. Sure. From the Austin Chronicle. Okay. Uh. And the interview is with Ethan Hawk. Talking. Our very own. Huh? Our very own. Our very own. Yes. And he's talking about this movie. And he says, um, he was just talking about like the uh, the benefits of doing a small movie like this. Mm-hmm. So he says, it's those weird benefits of when you worked with people more than once that you kind of stop worrying about what you're going to look like. And you stop worrying about if they like you and you stop worrying whether they're going to think you're a bad actor. This is my fourth movie I've done with Rick following Before Sunrise and Newton Boys and Waking Life. So there is a trust that is there. On top of that, there's an added intimacy that's created with like a seven person crew on that film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the quote. Nice. Um, oh yeah, he goes on to say, when you do things with either a larger budget or people you don't know, there's so much fear. Everybody's so scared all the time. Rick's most peculiar quality, it's a funny thing you can't teach anybody, is that he really believes in himself. When I first worked with him on Before Sunrise, uh, that quality was what I was most surprised about. I've worked with a couple of people who are very sure of themselves and very confident, the confidence that brings easiness, not a controlling attitude. But I've never met anyone so young who had that as when we did Before Sunrise. That's a healthy environment for an actor. So very nice. Yeah, he loves Rick. It's true. So do we. Um. Yeah, and then I also found so there was the only really long form interview about that focused on this movie was with Charlie Rose. Uh huh. So disclaimer: uh, Charlie Rose has been. Uh, accused of sexually assaulting i think upwards of 30 people Mm -hmm. so not great and especially in the context of this movie doesn't feel great however i wanted to share some of this interview because there's some interesting uh conversation about tape specifically We'll get around to the color correction so Uma will not have orange lips. Those aren't her real lips. <laughs> <laughs> it star- it's a play. Mm-hmm. It was a play, as I said. Tell me about the origins of it. Well, was it you, Ethan? Ethan read it first. Uh, yeah, I had been looking at it, been thinking about doing an evening of 1X, and so was uh, getting sent a bunch of young writers and what people were working on. I wanted to do some new plays by some young writers and and found this one piece that was amazing. I ended up not really wanting to do an evening, but Rick and I had been talking about the idea of 
experimenting with DV, really. You know, there's all this kind of talk about digital video movies and, and how the form is going to be moving forward. And we kind of thought about experimenting with that. And I sent him this to see if this would be something in that context that would, that maybe we could play with. And then it, then Rick took it from there. I think like his character in the movie, Ethan had this whole thing elaborately plotted from the very beginning. <laughs> and it worked out. It was the a seduction way he to get you Unlike the movie, it worked it out the way he to get you involved. <laughs> We've been working this whole movie just to be here with you. Makes sense to me. And so. you came in when? Uh... Well, as often has happened in my life in the past, Ethan called me and said, Hey, hey. you want a job? <laughs> I said, sure. The play's closed. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, he, um, Ethan said, there's a great one act I found, and Rick, uh, even then it was sort of Rick may direct and Uma may do it, and we're, it was still pretty uh, up in the air. And I no, read I was it. just no, saying that. Actually. I was just saying that so that your feelings wouldn't get hurt. It didn't work out. <laughs> I was actually the sixth person he'd offered it to. No. Anyway. So I just thought it was a fun little chat about how it all came together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, I'll, the other thing to note is that uh, Robert Sean Leonard was also coming off of a Tony win at oh, this time. for what? So that's a good question. Let me check it out. Since I know the theater very well. Mm-hmm. Since I like plays. I don't hate plays. I want that to be clear. Oh, you, f- you hate movies. I forgot. I hate <laughs> um, awards and nominations. Uh, he won a Tony Award for Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Play for The Invention of Love in 2001. Oh, great play. <laughs> Never heard of it. What's it about? The Invention of Love. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of it's kind of a it's it's a little bit more like experimental. Um it's not like literally about the invention of love, mm-hmm. you know, but it is there's a romantic tilt to it. Um and it's I wouldn't say it's about any one thing, but it is overall about love for sure. Mm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And what did Robert Sean Leonard do in this play? What did he do in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he acted. I mean, you know, hmm. what does one do in a play? <laughs> yes, the play is the thing. The play is the thing. As as Ethan Hawke would say. Yeah. By way of Shakespeare. Um, yeah, and I pulled up some reviews, too. This actually was received very positively, this movie. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it three and a half out of four stars. So this is another Ooh, one of Despite the, the fact that he hated Ethan Hawke, apparently. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, one of his highest rate, the highest rated Ethan Hawke movies we've seen from Roger Ebert. I think also before Sunrise might've gotten three and a half or four stars, oh, okay. but other than that, it's been pretty consistently like two, three. Um, so this is a good one, I guess, to, for Roger Ebert. Um, he says, tape made me believe that its events could happen to real people more or less as they appear on the screen. And that is its most difficult accomplishment. To describe the movie makes it sound like an exercise in artifice. Three characters, one motel room, all talk, based on a stage play. But the writing, acting, and direction are so convincing that at some point I stopped thinking about the constraints and started thinking about the movie's freedoms. Freedom from idiocy, first of all, since the characters are all smart and articulate and testing each other's nerves and values. 
freedom from big gassy meaningless events freedom from the tyranny of an overbearing soundtrack that wants to feel everything for us and freedom from the unexpected uh, freedom from the expected does it have a soundtrack i don't know i guess I not mean, i don't think so yeah i think it was just yeah there's no yeah so you're really kind of there it's in real time and there's yeah. no noise that isn't happening yeah. in the room yeah, yeah. Um, also a positive review from the New York, the New York times, um, Stephen Holden again. Um, he says that the cat, uh, of the cast, he says that they gave the most psychologically acute performances of their film careers. Wow. So yeah, that's, I mean, they were still all pretty early. I mean, not terribly early. We've been, so we've seen fifteen years of Ethan Hawke acting now. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they all started early, but Uma, I don't know how long she had been acting. So it's kind of, I mean, so far, so of their ten to fifteen year careers, mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a a big thing to say. Yeah. I don't know if I was as blown away as... Yeah, what did you think of this movie? Because you seemed kind of... I don't know. I don't know how you seemed. I just think it was... Um, I don't know. It was complicated. And... Did you like the movie? Not especially. No? Okay. I didn't think it was bad, though. Uh-huh. I thought it was um, an interesting experiment. Sure in digital and in format uh-huh. structure um you know because it was it was shorter than the average yeah. feature film um so there were a lot of things that made it really different than a normal movie yeah and i didn't, I just kind of felt like I didn't really understand Ethan Hawke's character very well. Okay. And that was part of my issue. Sure. Again, I don't think it was bad. And I think that they were all really, um, they're all kind of, they're all pretty magnetic actors. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all people that you want to keep watching. I just, I didn't totally understand what was going on with Ethan Hawke's character. Uh-huh. That's all. That's kind of it. I mean, I thought I thought Uma was good and then she also, you know, her character also was uh had confusing had a confusing bout at the end. Mhm. Um but as I mentioned, I think that the point of that was that it wasn't our business either what had happened right. to her. Right. So I so I get that, but I just think that ethan Hawke's character vince his scheme i guess didn't make too much sense to me his plot to like make them come together and force robert sean leonard i mean i i think the point was that it was coming out of some like boyish like jealousy yeah but it just it just still kind of didn't make a lot of sense too much sense to me i don't mm-hmm. know that was that was really the only place i that was the main place that i struggled with this movie uh-huh. what did you think of it i liked it you liked it i thought it was good yeah i i enjoyed it once i was able to get over how uh absolutely terrible it looked 
um, which didn't take that long. Um, once I got over that, I was able to get into it. I liked it, and I thought it was, yeah, no, I was, I was just, I was completely like just engaged with the story, and the characters and the acting and all that stuff that I, I, I didn't think too much about any of the other stuff that might, you know, get in the way. Mm-hmm. So no, I liked it, and I thought, I thought it was a very interesting movie, very interesting story. Um, yeah, I do think that Robert Sean Leonard's acting felt the most real in this yeah. movie. I thought I, I did think his character felt the most real. Mm-hmm. That he's sort of going from, I don't know. It just seemed like he was like 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 this is how a person would really struggle with this thing that they were confronted with. Yeah, like he seemed like he was backed into a corner, but also wanted to do the right thing yeah and he was defensive but Mm -hmm. he was also apologetic like this to me seems like how someone would like how a real person that might might respond yeah yeah so yeah yeah i guess ethan hawk's character was the most kind of off beat but he was also like on drugs and really drunk so yeah I thought I thought it was fine. So yeah, no, I mean I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was very interesting. I I, I just I didn't know what was gonna happen, and and I was I was engaged the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like I said, once I got over yeah, the, the absolutely look. garbage quality of the video. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, we don't always have to feel the same way about everything. Yeah. It would be boring if we did. Yeah. It's really come to a head today. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But we still are committed. To each other. And this show. And this show. Yeah. Yeah. In case any of you out there were worried about the state of our relationship or the state of this podcast, (laughs) we're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe people didn't know that we were in a relationship think we've talked about it oh okay i mean we do live together in a one-bedroom apartment yeah we're just uh you know friends (laughs) we're really close friends for almost seven years now yeah 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 i am harper what's the thing you've been enjoying in media oh thank you for prompting me this time (laughs) um I have been enjoying... Well, I feel like I kind of talked a lot at the beginning about all the things that I just watched. That's true. But what have I been enjoying? Um, Probably a podcast, I'm sure. I listen to podcasts a lot. Nice. Um, I'm pulling up my Spotify to check out my list of podcasts so I can uh, see what I've been listening Oh, Okay, I've been really into Sludge, an American healthcare story, lately. That's a podcast by Caitlin Durante of the Bechdel cast. Uh Uh-huh. And it features Sammy Junio as well. Okay. And um, they are talking about Caitlin's medical journey to try to find a diagnosis and ultimately a cure for what's going wrong with her, Uh which has been described as sludge by doctors. Wow. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, it's a gallbladder thing. She's sludging her gallbladder. Oof. Um, and needs to have it, I don't know, removed or operated on in some way. Um, but yeah, so basically she just chronicles her whole journey of having to like trying to find out what's wrong with her and having it fixed Mm -hmm. and it's taken a really long time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, as someone who's also been going through a medical journey this year, I found it, um, I don't know, weirdly comforting, but also of course upsetting to hear about her experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I really have been, I really appreciate that show. So, Sludge cast. Nice. All right. Yeah. I would say, uh, I've been enjoying the musical stylings of, uh, the band Hot Chip, which I've talked about on this podcast before, but Mm -hmm. I recently went to see them in concert. So fun. And I was in the very front row. And there were a few other people by themselves, like me. So I was like, okay. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a good time. They were, they were, you know, dancing a little bit, mm-hmm. grooving a little bit. Also, um, uh, I played, uh, which this is going to be slightly old by the time this episode comes out. But um, Untitled Goose Game, mm-hmm. absolute delight, fun to play with friends, especially. I think it's best if you play with a couple other people. Um, yeah, it's a real good time. It really, it honestly lives up to the hype. It's a very short game. It takes like, you know, 40 minutes to like two hours if you're dumb like we were um but yeah it's we we i think we took a little longer than mm-hmm. we could have because <laughs> we we couldn't there was <laughs> there was the like intellectual part of it which we had trouble with oh boy <laughs> and there was all there were also the controls part of it Mm-hmm. which we could not stop uh honking mm-hmm. um which is generally not what you want to do you want to be discreet as a goose somewhat yeah there are parts where you want to be discreet and every time there would be a lot of times where gabby and i would try to do something that needed some amount of discretion and we would accidentally honk instead um so yeah but it was, it's a good time. I genuinely... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the two people I played it with were... Previous guests of previous the show. Previous guests of the pod. Gabby and yeah. Jorge. Gabby and Jorge. So I recommend getting your, your friends together, downloading Untitled Goose Game. For a fun, goosey time. And playing the shit out of it. Nice. Um, also, I didn't say where people could find me. Oh, yeah. You can find me at Harping About um, on Twitter instagram starting with twitter okay yeah i'm there now that's because you're a podcaster yeah i gotta be um it's hard twitter's hard yeah there was there was a a new yorker like um humor 
piece, mm-hmm. you know, which New Yorker humor pieces make you go, <laughs> you know, like that, that's how funny they are. Yeah. Um, and it was like social media guidelines. And one of them was like, you know, there was guidelines for each yeah. social media page. And one of them was for Twitter. And it said, uh, from now on, you'll have to check a box. Uh, and there's two options, comedian and white supremacist. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yikes. Because Twitter is bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and also Letterboxed is something I've been working on. I've been working on my Letterboxed. I'm also harping about there for Harper Thompson. Um, yeah, I had today off of work, so I spent the whole day, uh, like searching through my Facebook and messenger history to find the specific dates that I saw movies, Mm -hmm. uh, to, translate that over into letterbox so that my diary would be complete uh that's just the kind of person i am uh yikes so yeah check out my letterbox please so it's not meaningless jonathan where can people find you jeez (laughs) uh you can find me on instagram at John Savaleta, that's J-O-N-Z-A-V-L-E-T-A. Uh, and you cannot find me on Letterboxd because I hate movies. I only like plays. Wow. Yeah. Classy. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, and TikTok, but I haven't done anything there. Uh, oh, dude, I saw, I recently watched uh, the Washington Post on tiktok gross yeah i hate the year that we live in yeah Um, it's wild yeah i should just give you the tiktok no so that you can run our tiktok i post instagram once a month like when why would i actually use TikTok? well because tiktok might be like a fun thing for you to do i kind of don't think so like you'll just do like ethan hawk based tiktoks you know i yeah i guess so I don't know. I can't think of how that would work exactly, but exactly, yeah. Just you know, I you're creative. Come up with something. All right, bye guys. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week when we will have a guest, so you don't have to listen to us bicker anymore. Bye. Bye. This episode was produced by Harper Thompson and myself, Jonathan Zavaleta. It was edited by Harper Thompson, and our intro music, Hawk Song, is written and recorded by Connor Vance.